0: It's Wednesday, January 8th, 2020, 106 days since the House began its impeachment inquiry. And this is Impeachment Today. Good morning. I'm Hayes Brown, reporter and editor at BuzzFeed News. There's a lot going on in the world right now, but impeachment, still a thing. So we're here giving you all the updates, such as they are. Okay, today we're talking to BuzzFeed News DC Bureau Chief Kate Nasera about Mick Mulvaney, the Trump administration's man with a million jobs and the witness Democrats want, like you wanted a Nintendo 64 when you were a kid. God, I'm old. Anyway, before we get to all that, let's catch up on what happened yesterday. Congress inched closer on Tuesday to resolving the standoff that delayed President Trump's impeachment trial. Emphasis on, uh, inched. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell announced that he definitely has enough support among his fellow Republicans to pass legislation setting up how the trial will run without any input from Democrats.
1: We have the votes
0: uh, once the impeachment trial has begun to pass a resolution. McConnell's framework is being backed by several key moderate Republicans who support both sides have been courting. Senator Susan Collins of Maine, when asked if she wants witnesses to testify in the trial, gave the bold response, I want a vote on whether to call witnesses. Lisa Murkowski of Alaska said that with her support came a pledge to make sure that we've laid out very clearly what this framework is in terms of timeline and the ability to move to witnesses. And Utah Senator Mitt Romney said that going with the Clinton impeachment process is satisfactory to me because that process did provide, down the road, for an opportunity to hear from witnesses, and I would like to hear from John Bolton. Bolton, the former White House National Security Advisor, said on Monday he'd be willing to testify in the Senate trial if subpoenaed. But Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer said in a document released to the public that McConnell's promise of things running just like the Clinton trial was basically a head fake. He accused the majority leader of trying to punt on witnesses until basically the end of the trial in hopes of just running out the clock and moving to a vote on the charges. So McConnell's announcement, not quite good enough for Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. Since the impeachment vote was held in the House last month, she's refused to name the prosecution and send over the articles of impeachment until the trial's process was made clear. And in a letter to her colleagues on Tuesday night, she said those two articles, one accusing Trump of abuse of power, the other of obstruction of Congress, would stay in the House until McConnell publicly releases the draft legislation establishing the format. Meanwhile, the president had this to say when asked about the news that Bolton would be willing to testify if called. It's going to be up
1: to the lawyers. It'll be up to the Senate. Uh, And we'll see how they feel. Uh, He would know nothing about what we're talking about. That's... Not
0: what White House staffers who worked with Bolton have said. According to their testimony during the impeachment hearings, he not only knew a lot about what was happening, he was pretty clear that he thought it was at least unwise and at most illegal. And now it's time for the Nixometer reading du jour. Well, I'm not a crook. On our scale of zero, normal day, normal White House. Ten, Richard Nixon resigns, takes off in Marine One. This morning we're at a 7.9. The Senate is gearing up for a trial with no decision on witnesses in place. But that's about all the solid info we have so far as we continue to wait to see whether what comes next is, well, a trial or a cakewalk to an acquittal. Okay, after the break, we talk to Kate O'Sara about Mick Mulvaney and the Office of Management and Budget, which is a lot more interesting than it sounds. Promise. Be back in a tick.
1: give us your attention we need everything you got fast waiting on reparations we be the illest podcast
0: tune in every thursday politics and wordplay we fight for the people because they got us in the worst way
1: from the hill to brazil bombay to kanye
0: from the left enclave to what the neocons say
1: every thursday cop the heady conversation and, and
0: break us off with some bread because we waiting, waiting on, on reparations. reparations listen to waiting on reparations on the iHeartRadio radio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts I'm Eve Rodsky, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fair Play and Find Your Unicorn Space, activist on the gender division of labor, attorney, and family mediator. And I'm Dr. Aditi Narukar, a Harvard physician and medical correspondent with an expertise in the science of stress, resilience, mental health, and burnout. We're so excited to share our podcast, Time Out, a production of iHeart Podcasts and Hello Sunshine. We're uncovering why society makes it so hard for women to treat their time with the value it deserves. So take this time out with us. Listen to Time Out, a Fair Play podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, it is time for this fucking guy. Today, we are looking at John, Michael, or Mick Mulvaney. He's the acting White House Chief of Staff and kind of, sort of, ish head of the White House Office of Management and Budget. Joining us in the studio to mull over Mulvaney is D.C. Bureau Chief and one of our favorite people here on this show, Kate Nasera. Hello, Kate.
1: Hi, Hayes. How are you? I'm doing
0: just fine. So, tell me, who is Mick Mulvaney, and how
1: many jobs does this man have? He has a lot of jobs, <laughs> or at least he has had a lot of jobs, a lot of career turnover for Mick Mulvaney. Mm-hmm. He originally came to prominence as a Tea Party Republican in the House of Representatives from South Carolina, where he was really anti-spending, anti-deficit. That's kind of how he like made his name. And then he became the director of the CFPB, Oh, right. I I
0: honestly forgot about that. That's the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau for those of... You out there who don't speak D.C. Sorry,
1: I only speak an acronym. (laughs) And then became the acting chief of staff. The acting is weird. Like, I don't really know why that's in front of it. He's the chief of staff. Right. And he's also, as you said, the director of Office of Management and Budget. That is so much stuff. It's so so much stuff. And it's because, like, they can't keep people employed in the White House long enough. And he just Mm -hmm. seems to be a guy that's willing to do whatever, for Donald Trump.
0: Right. How is he still acting chief of staff after a year? That's not a Senate-confirmed spot. That's just the president says you're chief of staff.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, he's still there. There are lots of, like, rumors. He's always about to get fired mm-hmm. every every month or so. But I think the fact is is that that's a really hard job under Trump. It's a hard job anyway, but especially under Trump. And I think they've made the calculation that it would be too hard to find anyone else to do it. (laughs) So Uh, just keep this guy around, I guess. So
0: how did a budget hawk like Mulvaney wind up in the Trump administration where deficits are a magical thing that don't exist and there's just so much money being spent?
1: I think of all of the characters in terms of the Republican Party and people that have, you know, sort of abandoned their principles to Mm -hmm. become part of Trump's party. Mick Mulvaney really stands out as a shining beacon on the hill, as someone who absolutely just abandoned everything he purported to believe in. I mean, this was a guy that wanted to cut spending, cut spending, cut spending, only cared about the deficit, and then this year or last year, I forget when it was because time doesn't matter anymore, he got up in front of the press and said, you know, no one cares about the deficit.
0: Which just like, wow, I— Really, uh. Um I mean,
1: I think he is a, a Trump yes man, mm-hmm. and that is the core operating principle for mm-hmm. him at this point.
0: So let's turn to one of his jobs-ish. So he's acting chief of staff. There's an acting director at the OMB. So Mick Mulvaney still currently kind of has a job. Yeah. What— is the OMB's role? What does it actually do? Cause I feel like we've talked about it a lot on this show without really going through the process of explaining what they do yet.
1: Yeah, I mean they run the government, right? So mm. like if you're a federal employee, you generally work and report to the OMB that like those are the people that sign your checks. Today they said mm. everyone can go home a couple hours early because it's supposed to snow like a half inch in DC and we can't handle that. <laughs> So, you know, that's the kind of decision-making that they do, and you know, they decide how money appropriated from Congress can and should be spent. So when things like government shutdowns about mm-hmm. to happen or they're about to run out of money, it's OMB who's in charge and says, okay, we have, like, this much money. This is when the government's actually right. going to shut down.
0: Does it normally get a lot of attention? Because I feel like, no, I feel like we've heard the letters OMB more in the last, like, couple of months than we have in a very long time. Yeah,
1: they're really really important, but like most things that happen under Trump, everything takes on a bit of an outsized role mm. and you're suddenly like, oh, that's an agency that's important? Oh, oh no. that's an agency that has power? I mean, they've always had power and they've always been important. It's just that, you know, in other administrations...
0: They just kind of did the work and kind of came, kept their right, head down. exactly.
1: Very heads down federal government workers, kind of.
0: So, what do we know about Mulvaney's role in the push by the White House for these Ukraine investigations?
1: So, from what I understand... Stand is Mulvaney, in his dual role mm-hmm. as acting chief of staff and acting OMB director, was kind of the point man to disseminate information around this hold on the Ukraine money mm-hmm. throughout the federal government. I mean, he was really the point guy mm-hmm. for getting this information out to... Other agencies, right? And you know, get through what Trump wanted, right?
0: So, it went Trump says, I don't want you to spend this nearly 400 million dollars in military aid in Ukraine. Mulvaney, congressionally approved, congressionally approved, and already notified Congress that it was going to be spent. Mick Mulvaney gets this order, he tells OMB. Yeah. Stop the presses. Yeah. Don't you dare spend this money. And
1: gets their lawyers to come up with a legal justification to Right, do that so. recent reporting. Crucially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the New York Times reported that.
0: So then Mulvaney has this amazing press conference where, and we forget, Mulvaney was only standing in front of the press that day to talk about Trump awarding the G7 summit to his own resort. He gets up there and he gets asked about Ukraine and starts saying all this damaging stuff about how, yeah, there was totally a quid pro quo.
1: Mick Mulvaney is the guy that that got up there and was like, Yeah, no, there's quid pro quo. Yeah. We did, yeah. We get, did you that. get over it? And like, own it, girl, you know? <laughs> but, and then he had to walk that back a little bit, but they're gonna do what they're gonna do, and there are blatantly partisan reasons behind it, and he doesn't give a shit.
0: Ugh. So, what do you think? If Mulvaney is called in the eventual Senate trial, does he actually speak his piece and say what he knows, which is a lot? He just seems to me like the kind of person that if the screws are applied, pressure is put on, he will talk.
1: That's a good question. I mean, I think it really depends on how the Senate trial ends up being set up. I I don't really envision a world in which Mitch McConnell decides— that they're going to subpoena people or they're going to work out the rules to do so. But like, hey, you cover yes. this every day. I don't know what's going to happen. I know, right, when man? Are the, when are the articles going to go to the Senate? What's Nancy doing? I don't know. There's so much stuff.
0: Uh, that's just up in the air right that's now. That's up in
1: the air right now, ruining my life.
0: Uh, I feel that very deeply. I'm
1: sure you do. <laughs> So something
0: interesting to remember about Mulvaney is that back in December, there was a case working its way through the courts that basically asked a judge to decide whether a staffer at the White House has to listen to a congressional subpoena or the White House telling him to ignore it. So Mulvaney tries to get in on this as a defendant before backing off when people are like, what are you doing? So given this apparent lack of loyalty, which Trump values so much, how is this guy still acting as chief of staff?
1: Again, I think it just comes down to he's a guy who knows a lot about a lot of things, mm-hmm. right? And so the calculation of like better to keep him on our team than to send him out, you know, he'd write a book in two seconds. Absolutely. And we'll write a book in two seconds when he gets out of there. <laughs> See, read John Bolton.
0: Oh, geez. Another guy who we will talk about more, I'm, I'm sure, sure, a lot moving week. forward. Okay. So let's jump forward a little in time. It is a year from now, the 2020 election is in the rearview mirror. What is Mick Mulvaney up to?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Is he still the acting chief of staff? Is Probably. Is he still acting
0: in front of there, even if Trump wins re-election? Who knows? Maybe.
1: <laughs> he'll be, like, acting secretary of agriculture or something by then.
0: <laughs> Congratulations, Mick Mulvaney, yeah. on your new job. Yeah,
1: and secretary of energy. I uh, don't know. He'll, he'll have, like, five more jobs by then. Or he'll be back in South Carolina doing God knows what.
0: Uh, Kate... Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about the man who does it all in the Washington. Man, the man, mick, the legend. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, it's time for the latest edition of our newest segment, Trial Watch 2020. We are now a full three weeks since the House voted to impeach the press and... Still no clue when the trial will actually start. We will hopefully have more for you tomorrow. But for now, this has been Trial Watch 2020. Okay, that's it for today. Tomorrow, we will finally be talking about the man at the actual center of this whole shit show, current Democratic nomination frontrunner, Joseph Robert, no malarkey, Biden himself. Before we leave you to your Wednesday, a reminder, we'd love to hear your predictions for the rest of the impeachment saga as we plow ahead in the new year. When will the trial start? How long will it last? What's the final vote going to be? Will Chief Justice John Roberts bedazzle his robes for the big event? Send us all your best educated guesses, read some tarot cards, consult the stars, just open the Voice Memo app on your phone, record your prediction, and email it to impeachment at buzzfeed.com or just send me a direct message on Twitter. I'm at Hayes Brown, and my DMs are always open. Be sure to subscribe to Impeachment Today on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go to hear my disembodied voice. And uh, maybe, please, leave a rating and a review. Also, tell your friends about the show as we all figure this out together. Hey, Lethal Listeners, Tig here. Last season on Lethal Lit, you might remember I came to Hollow Falls on a mission, clearing my Aunt Beth's name and making sure justice was finally served. But I hadn't counted on a rash of new murderers tearing apart the town. My mission put myself and my friends in danger, though it wasn't all bad. I'm
1: gonna be real with you, Tig. I like you. But now, All signs
0: point to a new serial killer in Hollow Falls. If this game is just starting, you better believe I'm gonna win. I'm Tig Torres, and this is Lethal Lit.
1: Catch up on Season 1 of the hit murder mystery podcast, Lethal Lit, a Tig Torres mystery, out now. And then tune in for all new thrills in Season 2, dropping weekly starting February 9th. Subscribe now to never miss an episode. Listen to Lethal Lit on the iHeartRadio app.
0: At Spreaker.com. That's S P R E A K E R. Ask your dad. You actually don't.